Hey, Anna. Hey, Mike. So guess what? I was on the Heath today and with Billy, of course, and I met this guy who had a little terrier who was favoring her little, her back leg. And he said she had a, she was a little terrier and she had a problem with her knee. Oh, the slipping kneecap. <laughs> yeah. So guess what I told him? I said he should be given her collagen, specifically palatable collagen. And he said, oh, well, his wife takes it. Uh, but he didn't know the dogs could take it as well. And he said, well, how does it work? And then I went, oh, I wish my, my mate Anna, was, my Anna would be able to tell you. So I'm going to see him again this weekend. So remind me, Okay. what should I tell him? What is the physical benefit for joints and stuff like that for dogs with collagen? Well, the thing is about collagen, it's a structural protein. So it naturally will go to areas in the body that are stiff or sore or needing healing. So uh, with kneecaps, lots of terriers get this. Where mm. Was was the terrier doing like a step, step, skip, step, yeah, step, yeah, yeah, skip, exactly. slipping kneecap? Prudence has got one, actually, which mm. I've managed. Can complicated keyhole surgery. But, you know, for me, I'd rather work with nutrition and preventing measures so I'd mm. say to him look it's perfect for building all of those cells in the kneecap they need a structural protein to help the cells stay strong and to reinvigorate some of those cells that have taken a battering which is why the leg is going up because the the kneecap on a dog is is very different to our sort of kneecap but it's sliding out of place causing this skipping movement and then it slots back into place again and it really can be fixed very easily and I would say yes to giving the collagen and of course there's all the other benefits as well of collagen on the skin and the coat and the digestion so it's a it's a no-brainer well it is and even though i can explain it to him i could tell him to buy pawble by going to pawble.co.uk and using the promo code a dog's life 10 a-d-o-g-s-l-i-f-e-10 so he got that much and I told him, obviously, to subscribe and listen to the podcast. So we have a new listener, if nothing else. So shout out to Jesse and little Minnie. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Minnie. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. Hey, Mr. Binks. You know that I always think it's very important to walk you past the playground at school every now and again, just to remind you about children and how important it is for dogs and children to get along. It should be a magic relationship, like strawberries and cream. Anyway, that's why we're jumping on Zoom now to talk to Debbie Lucan about her new course that's called Kids Around Dogs. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Debbie, welcome to A Dog's Life. Hi, thank you for having me. No, it's a real pleasure, actually, because we're going to be talking about your, your project, obviously, Kids Around Dogs. And it was quite funny how I learned about you because I was on BBC Radio Scotland, name yeah. dropping again, um, <laughs> with one of your colleagues. Indeed. And um, yeah, and that taught me loads about what you're doing. So it's brilliant to have this opportunity. So, Debbie, tell us a bit more about Kids Around Dogs. So um, Kids Around Dogs is an association of uh, professionals, dog professionals such as uh, dog trainers, dog behaviorists. Um, and now we're also accepting school teachers and uh, headmasters, mistresses. Um, and we work with families and schools 
to educate children how to behave around dogs and also to help dogs to um, to live a happy life around children. Well, brilliant. I think, you know, you must have seen an increase in the last yeah. couple of years, um, mm-hmm. have you, of problems? Exactly, exactly. To be fair, personally, I have a child, uh, Molly. She's uh, she's now 10 years old. Um, but when she was started or when she was a bit younger and she started to have friends over, you know, for play dates, and I realized how you had either the kids that were super scared of dogs, like, climbing stuff to get away from from our dogs um who are you know really lovely doggies with, with children as well or you had the kids who were overconfident so in the face of the dog trying to ride the dogs you know things like this and I thought there's got to be uh, something out there to help children to know what to do um, because obviously they don't know today um and I realized then the parents also didn't know and they thought oh that's cute really <laughs> um and uh, so i started looking at a bit around i realized there was nothing in the uk to help uh, families and to uh, educate children and so i decided to uh, to be that one <laughs> and so that's how kids are on dogs effectively was was born oh that's amazing so gosh so how do you operate with your your trainers i mean it's something i'd love to you know become credited with and join your program and help perhaps in london but um are you based nationally or just in certain regions so we we are covering the whole of the uk uh and also ireland we have some members in canada in the us as well um and uh uh what you have to do to to be part of uh, Kids Are On Dogs. So if you are a dog professional, you have to be qualified um, as a positive trainer. So, for example, with the uh, IMDT, that is the um, Institute of Modern uh, Dog Trainers, or the APDT, positive associations, positive uh, uh, schools. Um, Same goes if you are a behaviorist. Uh, If you're a school teacher, again, you have to be uh, qualified as as a school teacher. Um, and uh, uh, and then there is a little application form to fill out, a couple of res- references for me to check, and uh, there is a little assessment, and it's a word that I hate because people are always terrorized by it, but effectively is the little assessment is for me to see uh, a bit of the common sense <laughs> that the person has, a little knowledge of, of uh, uh, canine body language, and given scenarios where dogs and children are involved, what would you do? And then um, through Kids Around Dogs, you take a course to learn um, how to help families um, to uh, to welcome a dog when there are children in the family or to welcome uh, a child, a baby, or either naturally or via uh, adoption to, to welcome the baby when the dog is already in the family. And uh, also I have um, designed a successful protocol to overcome the fear of dogs in children. So all the cat professional learn uh, to use the protocol as well. So in your experience, Debbie, you know, do you think the fear of dogs, sinophobia, is something that's inherited from parents? It's not necessarily that. It's not necessarily that. Um, sometimes the parents are, are have, uh, in a way, no fault of their own. Uh, but I find, and I'm, I'm j- often joking about this, but I find that sometimes it's grandma that says things like, oh, when I was little, I got bitten. And although they might not be scared themselves, the adults, by saying things like this, they might um, 
put the fear of God <laughs> and dogs into kids. So um, to some children, it literally washes over them and they don't think about it twice. Yeah, grandma got bitten or this person got bitten. It doesn't matter. But some children instead get quite um, frightened and their imagination start to, to um, build up a bit as well. So it's not necessarily, you know, mum or dad's fault. No, such, of course but, not. Yeah. I mean, I know you because sometimes on TV, you know, you've got children's cartoons where yeah. the bad guy can be, you know, a sort of big, scary looking dog like mm. creature. And, uh, you know, but then, you know, you have other cartoons from my era, you know, where yep. dogs are the heroes, you know, like Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where would we be? I know. <laughs> he caught so many villains <laughs> I know right exactly <laughs> but then you have you know speaking of cartoons then you have things like Tom and Jerry where the dog is always the you know was so described as the as the bad guy wasn't it because I was always trying to get um Tom and Jerry <laughs> and it looked scary didn't it in a way Tom and Jerry, yeah, I know, I know. Although that might make you a bit more scared of cats, I think. <laughs> As well, yeah, yeah. But do you remember there was the bulldog in, in Tom yes, and Jerry? Yes, no, yeah, I do yeah, remember yeah, very yeah. well, of course. I remember his name, but, you yeah. know. Uh, so, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And it's such a shame because, you know, we're seeing so many more people actually opting to have dogs rather than children. There is definite trend globally, I think, going on. Um, yeah. Certainly, if the Pope had anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, yeah, I went on Jeremy Vine actually mm. with the Pope's biographer and yeah. uh, put him straight. Quite right, quite right. Yeah. So you know, we're we're living in this strange world where some people actually don't want children at all and they want dogs, and of course, then you have complete vice versa going on. And mm. there are so many more dogs everywhere. So it's mm. not only in the home that children have to be prepared to meet dogs, but it's exactly. out walking to your playground. Um, mm. You'll encounter people with dogs. So it's it's about really training all people who have mm -hmm. a dog, I think, to make them understand that not everyone that you walk past or hang out with will mm -hmm. like dogs. And yeah. to come from that perspective and educate your dog to interact with all humans, big or small, mm -hmm. in a lovely manner, no jumping or excitement going yeah. on, then, of course, it makes it a lot easier to introduce the child to the dog and, of course, vice versa, don't you think? So it's holistic picture that everyone even if you I don't live with children I haven't got any children mm -hmm. um you know but my dogs are trained to behave around children that's brilliant yeah um but that's exactly what you want really if uh, even if you don't have children the world is full of them <laughs> so you want to make sure that your dog knows what to do when he encounters a child and it is funny, they do act so differently. You know, yeah. they do, dogs do know, just as they know they're meeting a young puppy, mm -hmm. they know that they're meeting a young human. It's so interesting. But they are troubled, I think, dogs, or yeah. maybe interested, inquisitive, that's the word I'm looking for, about, you know, the sounds children make. I was training a little terrier puppy this week, actually, mm -hmm. and uh, walking behind us was a mom and her crying child child which you get oh. you know it happens yeah, yeah, yeah. but the puppy just wouldn't walk just oh. just sat kept looking at this mm -hmm. child that was having a tantrum and yeah. couldn't understand what was going on she's a very young puppy it was the first child she, she'd seen because right. my client doesn't have any 
children. So explain, you know, why that could pose problems between children and dogs. You know, there's a, a yeah. misunderstanding going on sometimes. Indeed. Well, children also, it depends on what, what um, stage of their life and their development are. Um, they will be very different when they're just born. All they do is, you know, eat, cry, sleep and, you know, <laughs> poop. So they don't do much, but they smell so differently. And, and as you say, they cry as well. So there is, and mom and dad suddenly are super busy and their whole life has changed. So the dog is like, what's going on? And then the baby starts to be more mobile. And again, the whole scenario changes and the, 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 the baby can crawl, for example. And often the baby will use Sorry, that's my dog barking. If <laughs> you can hear them, um, the baby might use the dogs to get up and and move about when they start walking. Um, and again, different noises, different uh, movement, uh, different environment, everything changes. Um, and just as for us adults and whatever is the child is ours or not, we can see that there is a difference. We can be, we might be worried of certain movement that the, that the child might fall over, that the child might, um, might hurt themselves or whatever. We are much more aware when we are around children. We're much different, I'd say. Dogs are the same, but we can understand that the child does move, is, is into the world and has moved from baby to toddler or whatever. The dogs simply cannot, and they just don't know no, well, no, no, no. This thing is, you know, what this package but, is now. <laughs> but so say parents are, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they've got toddlers mm -hmm. and they want to bring a, a puppy into the home. Do you go into those homes before the puppies arrived to explain to the children how they need to behave around mm -hmm. the puppy? Do you offer sort of places where parents and children can go, where you've got your kind of, in inverted commas, you know, assistance dogs, demo dogs. Mm -hmm. So children, you can do lessons where child A comes up to the dog and you go, mm -hmm. no, that's not right. You never pat the dog on the head. You always tickle the dog under the chin. Mm -hmm. um, and explain basics like that so that when yeah. the actual puppy arrives in their home, you know, everyone's so much more informed. Indeed, yes. Very often nowadays parents are becoming a bit more aware and they do call us before the puppy's home. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it's already there. The puppy's already there and they call you desperate going, oh, can you come like yesterday because the puppy started nipping or, or whatever. Uh, so um, I Try not to bring a real dog to, to test in a way with the children. I like to bring my uh, stuffed dog called Elvis and he comes with me <laughs> to the, uh, the, um, the pre-puppy lesson. And so I can show them without any stress to a real dog how, where they can pet the dog and where uh, they shouldn't do it. And a little bit of body language. Obviously, it always depends on the age of the children because when they're too little, they can't learn too too much but uh, mom and dad can so I definitely get parents involved too so they can learn and every day they can be uh, with the child and with the puppy and explain oh this should be done this should not be done but again always remind and I, I take advantage to your of your podcast to podcast to remind everyone as well to always always supervise children and dogs do not leave them alone, even for a second, even if you just go, I'm going to put the kettle on, do not leave them alone. Take the, the dog with you, take the, the child with you, whichever or both, 
but don't leave them alone, even for a second. Gosh, yes, no, it's such good advice. But then, you know, you get situations where the dog and the child just go together. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I consider myself extremely lucky. I grew around, mm-hmm. grew up around dogs all in my life. And I remember oh. when my sister was born and she came home from hospital and our springers just interacted. You know, there was mm-hmm. no nothing you know the dogs were well socialized they knew their boundaries it was like strawberries and cream all our family had dogs in fact I spent all my time around dogs wherever Mm. never with the people I found a lot more comfort more understanding more communication going on to be honest (laughs) with dogs than I've ever you know actually I really felt with people to be quite honest (laughs) so um, I get that Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, it should be a very natural relationship. And that's why I always feel so sad when you read the headlines that happen, you know, because none of it is, I think, ever the dog's fault. It's tragic, but lessons to be learned because I was always brought up that, you know, dogs and children should be like strawberries and cream. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) sour cream nowadays, actually. The thing is that... um, Yes, yeah, so in a, in an ideal world, we have you know we have the Disney dog that comes and and uh, is perfectly fine with you the whole time or with kids the whole time, sleeps on the bed, listen to the children's stories, and is perfectly right when kids uh, go a little bit bonkers. Um, the reality of it that is that most dogs would not be able to handle a child full on full time, um, so the dog will need a break. Even the best trained dogs need a break. You know, they will they will have to have a place where they can go and take themselves and go, right, oh, okay, now I can have a little nap just by myself. And being a mom, I completely relate. How many times have I hidden myself in the bathroom <laughs> just to take a break? <laughs> so I get that. Um, and dogs are the same. So, and yes, there are definitely... Um, some dogs, and I'm not saying on breed here, but it goes on personality and history and whatever, they have more, more patience than, than others, no doubt. Um, but at the same time, every dog and, and, and people need a break. So we need to know um, how to handle the situations. Um, and it, yeah, in an ideal world, you are right. They should always be best friends and, you know, hanging out and they can, but it has to be done properly, has to be approached properly. Absolutely. Everyone needs to know their boundaries, you know, Mm, children included, quite honestly. Be taught the basic principles of a dog you know really yeah. they are man's best friend so you know with sinophobia I, I must mm-hmm. admit you know the fear of dogs I feel so sad for people that that have this and and again as a dog owner you have to be aware when you're out and about some people yeah. are afraid of dogs grown-ups as well yeah. as children so hence dogs always have to be well trained don't jump up at people don't you mm-hmm. know have a recall all these things that are lacking yeah. more and more now unfortunately which is where I feel the problem is stemming from so my feelings are the problems stem from the (laughs) grown-ups yeah 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 yeah, indeed (laughs) you know so what would you suggest then if you were coming into a home where people are thinking about bringing a dog in because one of their children is very afraid of dogs and the parents recognize that ongoing this isn't a very good life skill to have so the first thing I'd say is not to get a dog 
to uh, to cure um, the feral dogs. I always try to uh, to get parents or grown-ups anyway to uh, put themselves in the child's shoes. The home is the environment where the child is supposed to be safe, is supposed to feel safe at all times. And if you bring a dog in the home, uh, you are effectively, you know, putting the object of their fear in the safest place the child should be. So I don't recommend that. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, for some children has not worked, um, but it might have worked a bit of a, of a cost for the child's, um, uh, you know, well-being. So I would say don't do that <laughs> first thing first. Um, how we work on the protocol, for instance, is uh, we use cognitive behavioral techniques, um, which put it very simply means that we are changing the mind of the child on how he sees or she sees uh, dogs. Uh, and also we educate children on uh, dog body language and we, um, we kind of humanize in a way uh, the dogs so that the child can feel um, more of an attachment and they can relate to dogs more. Um, and uh, um, another thing that I always say, tell parents before, even before we start the protocol is to never underestimate that fear. Um, often people think of it as an irrational fear because it's spawned from nothing in a way, but I don't actually see it that way. If a child feels the fear of dogs in his mind, um, he feels there is something he should be scared of. And I should not, uh, or anyone should not make fun of it or think of it as being silly. Oh, you're overthinking this. It, it doesn't matter what we think. The child really fears this, that he's scared, that he has a reason to be scared. So we shouldn't underestimate that. I always ask parents to ask a question like, oh, what do you think is going to happen when they're in front of a dog? What do you think is going to happen? What would you like it to happen? Uh, and see what the child answers. Mm, no, really, really interesting, actually. Mm. And that will relate, I'm sure, to, you know, their peer group as well at the time. Mm. And, and again, something, as we said earlier, something triggered by an image they've seen yeah. somewhere and, and so on. So, yes, interestingly, I, I recently visited a home where they would brought in a, a, a puppy to help mm. and yeah, if anything, the dog was suffering, I'll be honest, mm, in that situation. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I hear with your technique to actually mm. work on the education, human mm. to dog rather than dog to human. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's so much to be gained and there's so much activity, you know, for children mm. and dogs to enjoy together. Oh my gosh, yes. All the great things that dogs offer us, you know, mm -hmm. the gateway to the outdoors. I mean, yeah. none of us are spending enough time outdoors and being active and that's where dogs can really come in and, um, and help, you know, with confidence. You look at dogs working with with autistic children for example yeah and yeah. you just see the huge change in the children you know because they can trust the dog because the dog yeah. doesn't judge the dog doesn't <laughs> have opinions already yeah. uh, the dog doesn't care really the dog just wants to be 
kind. And I think, you know, when children learn that and then just benefit from the touch of a dog, you know, because mm. their blood pressure will go down automatically. Yep. Yep. You must see, I hope you see quick changes in the children that you counsel, do you? Or sometimes yeah. have you not succeeded to change their opinions? So touch wood, I'm touching my head right now. <laughs> um, uh, I've not not succeeded. Um, I, there has been a case where, um, let's say that the child is, is fine, it doesn't run away, but he still wouldn't welcome one in his home. Um, but in all the other cases I've worked with, and the kids around dogs professionals I've worked with successfully, um, we have seen a lot of uh, people adopting dogs as well. So it's, you know, it's been brilliant. Um, as for, um, I'd like to uh, say something about autistic children, since you mentioned it as well. Mm, yeah, go um, on, go on. I, it's, it's, you know, it's fantastic what dogs can do uh, for autistic children. Obviously, it depends on what uh, conditions um, they might have, as there are different ones. Um, but I've seen a lot of uh, children who could not make eye contact or who might have not been able to communicate with other uh, humans very well. But because there has been a dog in, in, in the way, if you like, there was that kind of uh, um, subject to talk about. So suddenly it wasn't an awkward moment because you can talk about the dog. So you can say, you can ask questions like, oh, what's his name? Or what does he like to do? And because there was that uh, beautiful <laughs> thing, if you like to talk about, the child didn't feel that awkward in a in a in social environment, which is brilliant, absolutely super. And then you've got these reading schemes now, bark yep. and read, yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's the kennel clubs one. And, it is, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And pets of therapy also have yep. their own scheme, Indeed. where of course dogs are going into schools and yep. helping children learn to actually, you know, pronounce and speak out yeah. loud. Which yeah. I think in our world that we're living in where everything is done you know with a, a like button <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um I think it's really important that we don't yeah. lose the one thing that separates us from the animals you know is the power mm. of speech let's face it exactly yeah so in we touched there on the body language mm. and everything yep. of dogs so just quickly we're running out of time now but mm. explain why you have to be careful with eye contact with dogs why can, how can eye contact actually be the greatest most subtle training tool Debbie so I just want to quickly make you think about the difference between humans and dogs when a, a baby is born they want that contact with mum that bonding literally looking at mum is it's what creates a bond. Dogs are born blind. How different is that? So from the get-go, get in a way, there is a difference in eye contact. Humans need it, dogs not so much. And in fact, they can see it as a, as a confrontational um, issue if they are being stared at. Um, and that's why very often I like to train like a, a look at me um, or, you know, watch me so that the dog can associate being looked at um, with something positive rather than feeling that that is a confrontational thing. And the other thing, especially with children, uh, they're little, right? They're little ones. So very often, even a, the dog sitting down can reach the, the height of a child and they would be face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and that can create a problem. Um, so perhaps uh, one thing to also educate children um, 
to do is maybe to look away and not to stare at the dog, you know. Absolutely. And of course, with rewarding behaviors too. Yes. So, yes. you know, when a dog is, I always say to people, look, when a dog comes running up to you, this is grown ups as well in yeah. the park, yeah. you know, and you get these loads of dogs now don't have a recall and they're very excited might (laughs) come charging up to you and you might not want you know that dog to come charging up to you so make like a tree right so yeah arms be still and look at the sky and again absolutely no eye contact because whilst eye contact can be confrontational it can also Mm. reward behaviors so when you know when you have a barking dog going on the last thing you should really do is look at your dog stop barking because you're just going to make the dog bark more worse yeah it does work to train a dog to bark <laughs> yeah, more or indeed. to jump more or, or to jump yeah, yeah. or do any, pull anything anything more <laughs> exactly yeah. so um or grab your child's hand more or yeah. whatever so it is it's a subtle thing and and, and learning yeah. into species communication you know yeah. it's such a rewarding yeah fun activity right Yes, and one thing I like to say uh, about the Beatrice pose, we actually noticed that a lot of autistic children found it very, very hard to um, to deal with the Beatrice because um, a lot of the condition of autism, um, uh, they can take things literally. So I was finding it very hard to um, with with autistic children to be a three because they were worried the dogs would pee on them. So we <laughs> changed <laughs> it. I know, right? And I never thought of it before, but working with more autistic children, I realized that, that they were actually not happy with it. That's so we so changed into, I know, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, but is that's uh, that's how they felt. And so, and we thought, okay, uh, let's change into be a statue. And, uh, and that seemed to work. So, <laughs> but dogs could still pee on a statue. <laughs> it's, I think it's the it's the cartoon thing that you were mentioning before, isn't it? Is yeah, that, no, I it's know. Always, yeah, is, there is always a, a tree to pee on. <laughs> exactly, and or a statue, or a lamppost, so or a lamppost. Yeah, um, I think the statue is more like a bird pooing on you. <laughs> Well, there than... is, but that's supposed to but be that's lucky. That's a different thing. And yeah, it's lucky. <laughs> so lucky. It's a gift from heaven, apparently. Brilliant. I but don't know that kind of gift. No, I know. But oh gosh, well, Debbie, look, thank you. This really sounds like such a a great initiative, and, and oh, thank you. Well done. I'd love to catch up in a few months and see, you know, what news you have. Brilliant. I would love to. Absolutely. It's been so lovely chatting to you. No, thank you, Debbie. Thank you. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, it was really good, everything Debbie was saying about reading dogs, understanding what dogs are saying to us, because that way we can adapt our behaviour for a better outcome. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. Never forget that dogs have their own language and take the time and trouble to learn what your dog is saying to you in body language. That way, any accidents in the home can be prevented. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Debbie Lucan for joining us today and all her links are in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike, my producer. Find out more about him and his production firm at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? 
guess you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? That way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.